Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. That kind of, you know, fathering. I mean, that's what the church of God is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a family, right? Uh, we're not an organization. Uh, we're not some military force or something like that, although the church is sometimes called an army. But all through our Bible is this term that the church of God is a family. And you're my brother. We have sisters. We have fathers. We have mothers. We have children. And we grow together. And in our every nation world, when we say better together, we really mean that. And um, all over the world, uh, we, you know, different churches do it at different seasons, but there is always a time where we stop and we talk about the family because the family is the foundation of everything we are. Amen? So here uh, we, is my family, so you can get a picture. I'm, I'm uh, a father of two girls who are both in their 30s now, so uh, my family has changed a lot. I have two grandchildren, and uh, my wife is Japanese, and we've been married for 38 years. So she's, she's a woman of great uh, patience, <laughs> and God bless her. And um, my daughter, the one in the middle, is uh, Sarah. And so Sarah and her husband, Keisuke, who we call Skek. Skek is a pastor in our church and is the campus director for Japan, also here East Asia, he's taking leadership over that area. And they have two children who are the joy of my life, and I'm blessed that they live near me. And my second daughter is Irene, and she is in Singapore. And so two years ago, uh, this week, she married in a Zoom wedding. We were supposed to have this beautiful wedding in uh, Phuket in Thailand, and, of course, because of the pandemic, they kept saying, well, let's wait a little bit. Let's wait a little bit. And finally, they, we, we all said, you should just get married. And so they got married uh, the, the, in, in Singapore. And, that, and this was in the early pandemic. So the, 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 the structure was very, very strict in Singapore. So even the pastor couldn't come. So the pastor was on Zoom. We were in Japan on Zoom. And the family all over Japan and America... Uh, all over, and then her husband is a Singaporean, so they let him have her into the house. So in his house, with his mom and dad and brother, they got married on Zoom. And so at first we were very, very disappointed, but then we realized how much money we saved, and, and they did too. They're very practical, so they're going to use that money to buy a house instead of a big wedding. So uh, fortunately, after a year and a half, they could come to Japan, and we had a big party, and so this was that last autumn when they were there. So her last name is Po. So I have a Singaporean Chinese son-in-law, and Skek is interesting. His, his um, mother is Colombian, so he's half Colombian, half Japanese, and so we're a very international family. All right. Um, your text today comes from the book of Genesis. So I'd like to get into the Word of God. And I'm going just to read it to you. Or why don't you read with me? Um, would you mind standing as we read the Word of God? 
And as you read this, I want you to see um, this is the goal. This is the picture of what God has for family. Okay? We'll explain this in detail in a moment. But as we read it, I'm praying that you're not just reading this as a Bible story of Abraham, but you're seeing it as a promise to you and to your family as we read this. So let's read the word of the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you to be a great nation. And I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And here's especially the line I want you to catch. And in you, all the families of the, of the earth shall be blessed. Again, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the promise that you gave to our father, Abraham. That you said that through him and through his descendants, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And as you said to us later in your New Testament, we are the children of Abraham. And so this promise is our promise. And so we accept it today and we ask you to teach this important, important principle of family to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, a healthy marriage produces healthy children. And a healthy family will make a healthy community. And a healthy community will make a healthy nation. Amen? So, when we're talking about family, we're talking, of course, about your happiness and your stability, but we're actually talking about how our nation is going to be saved and how our nation is going to be blessed. Politicians cannot do it. Uh, business people cannot do it. The only ones that really can bring true blessing and happiness to a nation is when fathers are fathers and mothers are mothers and families are families and things are done properly in the home. And then it begins to spread out through all of society. And so I want to go back and look at this system, which was originally started by God. And it started way before Abraham. But I wanted to read this verse because I wanted to give us a verse which gave us a picture and a vision, especially this final uh, uh, chapter verse here. It says, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And when it says you, I want to take that as you, as me, not just as Abraham who was alive thousands of years ago, that we would take this word and say, God, I want to be a blessing to my wife and my husband. I want to be a blessing to my children. But God, I want to be a blessing to the whole world because of my family. Amen? So what I would like to do this morning is to jump way back to the beginning. I think this is a foundational message for us all. And I love to use this term, original intent. And I think uh, if we go back into Genesis, we can often understand that God 
gives his original tent intent for almost all things at that time. So if you don't mind uh, jumping back to the beginning of Genesis, and let's go to Genesis chapter 1. So God created man, it says. And in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, we have to understand when we read Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 that it is not necessarily running in a narration. Genesis 1 is talking about the seven days of creation. And then Genesis 2 basically goes and talks about the creation of Adam and the creation of Eve. So it's Genesis 2 is kind of going back into Genesis 1. So when we read that, uh, when we're going to go into Genesis 2 a bit, I want you to keep that in mind. This is not something that has been moving along a timeline. This is all happening at the same time. So in chapter 2, or, or before that, I, I'd like you to see what, what God said to them. He said, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I, I think God looked at this man and he gave him the very first commandment, which was, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to be blessed. And we have to catch that. The very first intent for man and woman was that they would be blessed, they would be fruitful, they would be expanding, they would multiply, and we didn't, I didn't put this word here, but that they would take care of this beautiful place that God had given them. So I want you to catch something very important, that after God made everything, God saw everything and he said, it was very good. Say that with me, very good. Very good, okay. Um, now, when we jump into chapter 2, it's explaining now Adam. You remember Adam was created from the dust of the earth. And then God's ruha, his breath, he breathed into Adam, which Adam just basically means man, okay? He breathed into man, and he put his life, his spirit into this man, and he became a living soul. And then something very interesting happens because uh, in the end of chapter 1 there it says, and everything was good. But before God ever said everything is good, he actually, if we think about this, chapter 2 is explaining what happened in chapter 1, right? So in chapter 2 he says, the Lord said, it is not good, okay? So before the good was totally declared, he said something, it is not good. What is not good? that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, I, I am a student of the Bible, as you all are, and we study the Bible, and we must understand that this whole concept of marriage, this whole concept of family, is the very first concept of God, right? Before church, before Israel, before sacrifices, before anything, God created the family. The family was to be the vehicle which carried about this be fruitful and multiply. And if that's the truth, isn't that what God is doing today? 
Isn't it the fact that the Lord Jesus, and we'll get into this stronger in a moment, his whole purpose to come to this earth and to bring the gospel was declared by John the Baptist when he said he came to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the father. The restoration of the family is what is going to restore the world. And so as we go in these next three weeks and, and get into this topic, I would pray that every one of you, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether your children are gone, it doesn't matter. If this is God's big plan, then we should understand it and really get back to it. Amen? Then the man said this, right? Or, no, let me, let me explain one more thing before I get into that verse. He said, it's, it's not good for the man to be alone. Contemplate that a minute. Was the man alone? No. He, he, he had God. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. He had the, he had the Trinity. He had all the animals. Remember, he had to name the animals. And as he watched them all come two by two by two by two, that's when he began to realize there's something not right here. And there was birthed into him this reality that it's not good that I'm alone. Now, now let's just put the marriage thing on the moment over on the side here. Remember in the book of Psalms it says, God takes the solitary person and he puts them into a family. When we are born again into the kingdom of God, he takes us, and the Bible is very clear, he adds us to a spiritual family. Many of you think you, you made a big decision to join this church, but if you would step back and you would realize, no, it wasn't my decision. It was God who added me to this place. This is my family. You know, you, you, my, my children when they were little said, I wish I could have been born in a different family. Too bad. You were born here. You were added to this family. And even if you don't like it, you're stuck with me for your whole life. You better learn to love me because I love you. Amen. So um, I, I want you to catch this. You were never meant to live alone. Right? Now, I come from an American culture. And American culture is a very much just me. Just me, my way. I don't need anyone else. I can do it by myself. And I would tell you, my friends, if that is your thinking, that is the devil's thinking. Because you by yourself, you will never succeed. And God knows that from the very beginning. When you first came to him, as much as you were born again into his kingdom and into eternity, he birthed you into his family. Look at your neighbor and say, I need you. And now with a more confidence say, and you need me. Amen? So I want you to imagine that morning, um, afternoon, we have no idea. It was on that sixth day when Adam goes into this sleep and the Lord takes that rib out of him after he named all those animals and there's something funny going on in him because I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. And then he wakes up. And he wakes up. The verse here says in verse 23, he says, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, when we just read that in English, it's not so exciting. But if you were to go back into the original Hebrew uh, language there and read the connotation that comes there, 
it's like, wow, at last. You have to underline that in your Bible. At last. I don't have a chimpanzee or a gorilla or an alligator or a mosquito. This is a woman. You can just feel this excitement. And, and she comes out of this, and, and God creates, and he wakes up, and he's all excited. And then he says something, um, which I often wondered, why, why would he say this in Genesis chapter 2? He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now, what I think what was written here was written when... Uh, Genesis was, was written by probably Moses. And Moses is going back and he's talking about this creation of the first man and the woman. But he's going to put something very, 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 very in the very first relationship ever and say something very important, which in the Hebrew culture and in our Christian culture has just been a very foundational word, right? He says, a man shall leave his father and, and his mother and he shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And what I want you to catch is this very beginning. It wasn't the mother looking at her child and said, now I have a child. This is my purpose of living. And the husband didn't look at his father and say, now I have a father. This is my purpose for living. The whole foundation of the family comes back to this very simple word to be a couple. Amen? Whether you're married or not married, just put that in your brain. Because if you're not married, you should be praying for the couples of this church. Because if the couples are strong, the family will be strong. If the mother and the father love each other, they will love their children. And their children will be healthy. And so in our churches, we often have you know, seminars all the time about couples and having strong marriages. Why? Because if your marriage is strong, Let's take it back again. The whole society eventually will be strong. Amen. And so it says that in the Bible that when they were together, it says that they were naked and they were unashamed. They were naked, but they were not ashamed. I grew up in the church and I, I can remember reading that as a little kid and, and, and it would jump out at you and say, they were naked. <laughs> right? Didn't you think that way? They were naked. And the Sunday school teacher would always have to calm the boys down. Don't, 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 don't laugh about that, okay? But what does it mean that they were naked? What is, that word naked means is basically if we took a time to really study it, they, they, they were, the, the, the key is they were unashamed. And so they were naked and unashamed. Why? Because in reality, they were clothed with the glory of God. They had nothing to hide. There was nothing that held them back. There was this ultimate intimacy. I have no secrets with you. I have no lies with you. We are one because we, we're totally naked and we're not ashamed. So when we go back to our original intent, I'm not telling you let's all get naked. I'm not saying that, okay? But I am saying our goal in our life, especially in our marriages, is to get to that point where there is no shame between us. I'm going to hit on that in a little more in quite a depth here. But I would like you to understand that when he made the couple, then we can go back to verse 31 and understand that he said it was very good. Okay? 
So I've taken a long time to build a foundation. And much of this you have heard so many times. But every time I go through it, it helps me go back to my own marriage of where I need to adjust. Amen? So, the question is, what happened? Right? What happened? And we all know the story, of course, because there was an enemy. And what is the role of the enemy? It's still the same thousands of years later. The enemy comes to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. And you remember the story, of course. The serpent comes to the woman, and he was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he says to the woman, did God actually say you were not to eat of the tree of the garden? So here's something in your marriages which you need to stop for a moment, in your families and in everything, really. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? You know, we spend a lot more time listening to people on television or on the Internet when where we really need to be listening is right here. And I know I'm speaking to, to the choir. You, that's why you're here, because you're listening. But sometimes we have to kick ourselves and say, okay, I need to be listening to my leaders. I need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Because Eve's whole problem started when she started listening to this crafty serpent. And the serpent says to her, and I'm, I'm going to put a comparison here, verse three, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, You may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat, of the true, not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, so, so, so remember, the serpent says to Eve, uh, What's going on? What's happening? And Eve's response was this. Now, I put the verse above it from what God really said. And there's just a very slight different nuance there. But I want you to catch, in, in chapter 2, when God had told them, uh, surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. And Eve just said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Now, very little minute words taken out there. But there's a lot of stuff that you can see there. God had said, Everything is yours. Even the trees in the midst of the garden, you can eat of them. But there's one tree, and he gave the name of it, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A very specific name. It says, I don't want you to have that knowledge. You're not to take of that knowledge. Your source of knowledge, your source of good and evil is only me. But Eve kind of steps away from that, and she pushes that on the side. Now, whether she did that purposely, whether she just didn't really pay attention to God, we really don't know. But she had diluted what God had said so that she could take whatever she wanted. And so then the, the, the enemy comes and says, no, 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 no. You will not die. You will not die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, of course, the deceiver... He's still a deceiver today. He says, well, who are you going to trust, Eve? Because that, we're getting back to the real, real initial issue. It was not she wanted fruit. It's she wasn't trusting God. Isn't that where you have problems in your life? Isn't that where you have issues? You start to trust in what someone else is saying. But in the end, you begin to trust in yourself. I can do this. 
I understand this. And the Bible says very clearly, so that when she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. So of course, you, you, you've heard this many times, the, the lust of the eye, right? She saw the fruit, the lust of the flesh. She desired the fruit and the pride of life. If I take this, I can be like God. Isn't it, you know, our, our situations are different, but we see and we keep looking. And what happens when we keep looking? We desire. And once we desire, our pride comes up and we say, I know more than God. I can get away with this. Whatever sin, it all comes back to the same original sin. And so, of course, she takes it and eats it and gives it to her husband and he eats it. And we don't have time to get into why did that dumb Adam take it? Why did that dumb Adam stop her? Uh, the Bible doesn't really say why. We can deduce and we can preach that sometimes, but it just says that she took it, she ate it, he took it, she ate it. And then what happened? It says that they're both their eyes were open and they knew that they were, here's that word again, naked. And they sewed fig leaves and they made themselves loincloths because now they're not unashamed, they are ashamed. Now here's an important point to understand. In chapter 2, verse 25, it's a different word for the word naked. It just means unclothed. It, 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 there's no any, you know, influence or inference to, to, to anything bad there. It's just they were unclothed, but they weren't ashamed. So they were, they were clothed with the glory of God. So that's the word Adon. But this next verse, and if we don't, you know, sometimes go back and dig what the, the author originally said, we miss out a very important thing. This word is Adam. And this word Adam is the word they were totally exposed. Right? That's more of our thinking of naked. And, and that's, that's where in our almost, almost all of our human societies for a man or a woman, you know, there's, it's a crime to expose yourself. To, 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 to get to a point where you are totally naked. If I were up here naked, a policeman would come in here and arrest me. Right? Don't even imagine it, okay? That's a bad thought right there. But, you know, in our society, they were exposed. And it wasn't just that their nakedness was being shown. Their heart's nakedness, their exposure. They understood what they had done. And so they tried to cover it up with fig leaves. Right? Now, if I stop the story there, we would all be very sad. But the Lord is the God of restoration. Say the word restoration. And they heard the sound of the Lord. He's walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from him and from his presence in the Lord God uh, who is among the trees. And uh, they, they, they are naked. They're hiding from God. But I want to catch something very close here, very important here. God still comes, right? He knew what happened. He knew what happened. It wasn't a big surprise to them. But he still comes to them. And my friends, in the midst of our deepest, darkest failures, 
God still comes to us. Amen? But we, like Adam and Eve, are fools. Instead of running to the only one who can help us, we hide from him. How often do we have friends who are going through some moral difficulties or they're just going through some hard times of life? They have failed. They say, I can't go to church. I'm a failure. My goodness, the first place you should go to is church. Amen? The first place you should run to is God. But when we fail, why do we run away? Because we are ashamed. We are exposed and we are ashamed and we run away. And so the man and the woman are hiding and God says, where are you? And that's a question I think all of our families, God's speaking that to us today. Where are you? And they said, well, when we heard you walking in the garden and we, had, we realized it because we, have, uh, uh, we realized that we are naked. And he said, well, have you eaten of the tree that I, or, or excuse me, have, have, who told you you're naked? Have you eaten from the tree? And... I'm getting my PowerPoint mixed up here. Okay, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So this word naked comes out. Who told you you were exposed? Who told you were exposed? Why are you ashamed? Why are you ashamed? My theory is this. If they would have stopped right there and said, Father, we failed you. We shouldn't have done this. We disobeyed you. We ran away. We did the wrong thing. I, I really believe the whole Bible would have to have been written differently. Our whole theology would have to have been written differently. But what happened is, instead of that, and here's what I want you to catch in our last few minutes. What did they do? And this will destroy your family as it has really hurt mine in the past. The, woman said, the man says, uh, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree. And I ate. Instead of Adam saying, it was me. I took that fruit. What did he do? He did what every husband here does. <laughs> you! It was her. Right? It's always somebody else's fault. I, I, that's my big problem of life. If you hadn't talked to me that way, if you hadn't treated me that way, if you'd have just done this at that time, if you'd have treated me nicer, then I wouldn't have done that to you. Instead of just saying, God, you're right. I was wrong. Why do we do that? Because we're ashamed. Shame has covered us. And then the same thing happens with the wife. She says, uh, the Lord says, what have you done? And she says, well, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. So this whole excuse giving is what has destroyed them. But here's the beautiful part of the story as we wrap up. The Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and he clothed them. Now, you've probably heard this before, but where would he get skin? He had to kill something. Blood had to be shed. This is the picture of what's going to happen thousands of years later. Blood had to be shed. An animal was killed and God covered them. Not just their, their nakedness, but their exposure. They had to be covered with this blood of this animal so that between him and them there would be this barrier. And see, that's what brings the whole story of the cross. It says, 
in the book of Ephesians, among whom also we were once conducted ourselves in the lust of flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by children, or by nature, children of wrath, just as others. We are Adam and Eve. We are children of wrath. We deserve to be punished. We deserve the judgment of God. Because why? Because we, like Adam and Eve, did not trust God, but trusted ourselves and disobeyed. But, and I love where the Bible comes and gives us here, the Apostle Paul says clearly to us, but God who is rich in mercy, say that with me, rich in mercy, because of His great love, say great love, great love, in which He loved us, that even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, move this story of Adam and Eve thousands of years later. Jesus Christ, totally exposed. The man who had no sin, no filth, no dirtiness, no disobedience. He was exposed. All the curse, all the sin, all the shame, all the nakedness, all upon him. Amen? You, you can catch the story why he had to be naked there. Because he became us. He took our nakedness. He took our exposure. He took it upon himself. And I encourage you this day, for those who have never done this very important word, which is to repent. Or maybe if you have repented, it's a good thing to repent every day. And repent in the Japanese is a word we say, kui aratameru. And kui, the first part, it means this. It means to feel horrible. And we need to feel bad. What I did was wrong, but I'm not going to live in the shame and exposure anymore. The blood of Christ has covered me. Jesus Christ has saved me. I am not going to face this shame and death anymore, but because of the cross and the love of Christ, I turn and I receive His input and His resurrection life, and my life has been transformed. Amen? You are no longer strangers. Paul continues to write, you are no longer foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Amen? And if we had time today, I would talk about household of God and the importance of spiritual family, but we talk about that a lot. But you can see as, as, we, as we finish here that we need to go back to the original intent before we can move into Genesis here and really talk about God's uh, blessing our families to be a blessing to the earth. How is your shame today? How is your marriage today? How are you personally with the Father? How are you personally with your family? And let's stop here before we go into Father's Day next week. And let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for our families. Let's say, okay, I'm no different than Adam and Eve, but by God's grace, He's brought me into His kingdom. This has been the Victory Santerosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santerosa.